1: Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 454. Great games. I wish I liked more. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Hey friends, we are back. We are back way, way back now from PAX, although it's been a couple of days since PAX. And as we've enjoyed the convention. And as we've taken in the sights and sounds and the games at the tables and what everyone has said, and so many of you have come up to us again, super appreciate, we've realized that, you know, there are some great games out there that we really do wish that we liked more. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those funny
0: things, like, some of these I've even owned in the past, because I'm like, I should like this, right? And you just don't, you know, and that's okay. It's okay for a game to be in the top 100. And all your friends to be in love with it and for you to say, I don't know, nah, I'm good. I that's don't not, want to
1: play that. That's not what they say. They say, we're going to get some pitchforks and torches and we'll be right back. You stay there. And I'm always, you know, I, I decide to leave just because, I don't know, <laughs> reasons. But, yeah. you know, uh, it, it seems like a thing. Seems like a thing for certain people out there, for sure.
0: I, I have certainly heard plenty of it over the years for not liking Agricola. that's not even on my list because I don't wish I liked that more I'm happy I don't like it so that's a little spoiler for
1: y'all not on the list (laughs) yeah well the list that we're gonna do for our feature review this week of course is the great games that we wish that we liked more and I think in particular the focus here is all about games that we kind of like but since so many people love them we wish that we had the same love for these games because I think for me and I'm pretty sure for you, Anthony, too, like it would be amazing if we had a core group or a handful or even a single game that was like, this is my thing, this game or these two or three games like that would be great. And so many of these games are that for so many people that this is the thing that they do. They have a meetup that's all about this. They have a weekly get together that's all about this game. They wear, you know, they wear merch (laughs) based on this. They got tattoos based on this. I, I just want to be that guy. I just want to be that person that sincerely just has that thing that is just so big and so hot that you can just bask in the the warmth of the glow and the feels that everyone has for it. And sadly, unfortunately, I do not.
0: Yeah. and honestly. That might just be because we do this podcast and we're not allowed to play a game forty times. Um, so,
1: although I have played a couple of these games forty times, but yes. well, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: It's it's different if you go to a game group and they keep pulling out the same game. You're it's like, true. Okay, fine, I'll play this stupid game again. <laughs> but
1: uh, by choice, there aren't that that's many true. that played that much. Yeah, especially in this day and age where there's like not ten great games coming out that year, but like a thousand great yeah. games coming out. So. Yeah, that's why also why a lot of those games stuck up on the number 1 for so long because they didn't have like major competition like they do now. So, sure. I don't know. It sounds good. It sounds like a thing to say the least, but uh yeah. And again, obviously I think also because of the kickstarters that games are hot and people are in love and people have backed sometimes 2-3 years in advance. So all you hear about is this game that has not come out yet. But everyone loves it two, three years in advance. So you're like yeah. two, three years in advance of like hearing about this game.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's a funny thing because and if you look at the numbers too, like back in the day, if a really hot game came out, they still only printed like 5000 copies. Sure. At least in the first print run. If a game is really popular on Kickstarter, they print as many as they need to. Right. Yeah. So if there's 20,000 backers, they'll probably print 40,000 copies. Yeah, which is way more than ever existed before. So back in sure. the day, you could get a hot game and be the person who has it and brings it to game night, whereas now the big hot game on Kickstarter, like you and all your friends back that, <laughs> like which has happened to me many times. I'm like, why do we all own this game? Yeah, um, the, fo- the FOMO is real. Yeah. And then you're like, well, we, now we have to play this. <laughs> we have no choice but to play this because four out of the five of us bought it. So it's dictating what we play
1: now based on our purchasing decisions from two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I think early on in Kickstarter, they used to have a lot of those kind of package deals, like buy six copies of this. You know, you and your friends get together and and buy six copies and you'll save on shipping. And that was a thing. And now every once in a while, I still see that where you could buy a uh, package set. But also, as you mentioned, that makes no sense because you're playing games together. So, yeah, I don't know. Why would you do that? Yeah, every now and then, like
0: back in Pittsburgh, I would back something and then see a friend also back it because I'm following them. I'm like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this?
1: (laughs) One time I had a guy in a meetup group who's like, oh, I really like that game. What's the name? He he wrote the name down. He wrote the information down. I'm like, oh, why'd you do that? He's like, well, if you leave the group or I leave the group, then I'll buy it. I'm like, that's weird, but also I get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that is the correct thing to do, I think. Uh, It's not what anybody does, because you're like, ooh, shiny, gimme, gimme, Um,
1: which is where most of my games came from. Well, I think that's also because of the the pandemic, too, right? The lockdowns, they weren't coming out with new games, because obviously things weren't selling and things weren't playing. But everybody, again, not everybody, of course, but what the numbers show for the industry at that time was people were picking up the games that they loved, but did not own. Yeah. So like you own a copy of Terraform Mars? I don't because I I live across the street from you. We play every week. Now pandemic, lockdown, therefore I should buy a copy now so I could play it with my family or mm. you know, local group. So that was the big selling point of all those games over the over that period. So but we'll talk about all those great games and I think there'll be a lot of games that'll actually surprise you that we don't like more. So Right. <laughs> Don't get the pitchforks and torches, at least until we get to the future review. Speaking of pitchforks and torches, Anthony, uh, Lucky Duck Games has heard, supposedly heard some of the outcry of their over super overpriced upgraded edition of Food Chain Magnet and released a deluxe edition, which is weird because it's a lesser edition from the other edition, Mm -hmm. but it's still a deluxe edition.
0: Yeah, yeah, the naming is strange. Uh but hey, it's what people wanted and it's kind of funny cuz it's of still ridiculously expensive. Um but now you can get it without basically without all of the the miniatures. ridiculous miniatures, right? Yeah. Which regardless of whether you like that kind of stuff or not, it honestly looked like it would not have been a fun way to play the game. So,
1: yeah, we were we were uh doing some physics calculations as far as like Multiple people to table, multiple miniatures on the board, and then trying to calculate the number of squares between restaurants and neighborhoods, which is really the vast majority of what goes on in the game. Like, do you have the stuff to sell? How many spaces away are you? What's your cost? And, like, you have to be able to see that on the board. So there, there was some value to having the pieces be so two-dimensional. Now that they're three-dimensional, it's a little harder to kind of calculate. So you would have to kind of stand up above the table, over the table, to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, which is all fine and good if the game wasn't four hours long. So, I <laughs> okay. uh, mean, I just, like, when they first showed, like, the full renders with, like, here's all the stuff you get, I'm like, I, oof, that looks difficult to process visually. So, uh, yeah, th- so they made a flat version, basically, which is all the upgraded artwork, all the like the fancy money, the paper money and stuff. Um, but with cardboard instead of 3D Yeah, measures. And it's way the heck cheaper, like
1: $130 cheaper. Well, it's 299 euros for the the collector's pledge and then it's 179 euros for the deluxe edition pledge. So, your miles may vary. I don't know what the calculation is to the US dollars. Yeah, it's like 130 or so different. So sure. it's now it's in line with
0: what it would cost to buy the current edition from Splatter, which is a still a lot of money, but it's takes it a reasonable amount of money. Like that's what you'd have to pay now, regardless. So mm-hmm. at least you're getting a fancier version if that's what you'd prefer.
1: Plus a little more money for the upgraded art and pieces, right? Yeah. Which so- again was that was my initial thought was they would charge, they would calculate the charge, the final charge as the games at full price plus. 50 some odd dollars for the miniatures whatever it was but they went they went they went far beyond that so yeah yeah so with the deluxe edition you get the base game the expansion you get restaurant tokens which is nice you get milestone trackers you get upgraded artwork you get organizers and trays the map tiles are bigger i don't think that's necessary i think it's gonna be a problem at your table but nonetheless and then you get new artwork that is you know, more colorful and poppy. And then you get for some reason, full size color tokens with the heat transfers on it, which is nice. Again, yeah, Not necessary. And so forth and so on. So it's better. It's cheaper. It's honestly what everybody wanted from the very start. Yeah. So that certainly is helping their numbers at the very least. And they're by the time you hear this, you probably have two minutes to back it. yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, this your ability to back this depends on if I get this podcast up immediately tomorrow morning. There so you go. If're if not
1: <laughs> If you're listening to this now, you're probably too late. and I, and again and again, I think that's the shame of this whole campaign because it was so far in advance, and I really dislike that Gamefound does this because I'm going to be putting out a new episode of Kicking the Habit for the Patreon backers, and I'm going through you know the different crowdfunding sites. And GameFound, since they I guess since they don't have a lot of product to show on their website to make it look like there's a lot of stuff, there's games on there that are like they won't come out on the on GameFound for a year, two years. And I'm just like, why is this up here? Like, why are you teasing something that's not going to be shown? So this Fuche Magnet was teased and planned and put out there for such a long time, it set bad expectations. Or I'm sorry, let me just say it. It's at reasonable expectations that was not fulfilled by the company. Right. And then when they released this deluxe edition, what, a week ago? Two weeks yeah. ago? It was... Yeah. They threw it together, I guess, to kind of appease and make some actual money off this. So I, if they would have done this at the beginning, I think they would have made a lot more money and made a lot more friends. And then, by all means, do the super deluxe edition. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. If you have the dollars for it, go, go crazy. I do think it's going to interfere with gameplay, but that's another story for another day.
0: Yeah. Well, if that's what you want, go for it. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like I I had the same thing with Castles of Burgundy, but with Castles of Burgundy, at least that was an add on. Like it wasn't like, oh, you want Castles of Burgundy special edition. Okay. Well, it comes with miniatures for every building in the game, $500 or whatever it ended up costing. Like, no, they started with the base level of the game and you could add on in a normal way. Um, This one, they obviously didn't plan for any of that so they had to work in reverse and it probably hurt them there's no way to know for sure but it's i don't know i would have considered backing this if they just started with the deluxe edition which again is what the or the version of the game costs um but it kind of soured on it at this point
1: yeah i don't own the base game or the expansion i played it i like it it's, I think it's in my top 100 or top 150. It's, it's around there. And this would have certainly been an opportunity to buy it. I, I like the original artwork. I'm not against it whatsoever. We, we, you and I talked about this recently, Anthony, about the expansion. I really like the expansion. I think the expansion does a lot of good for the game. And when I heard about this, I followed it. I had the marker on this. We talked about this on the podcast. I think with all that build up, like you said if the deluxe edition was the released edition, I probably would have backed it just out of like, I like this game. I don't own this game. And there's so much hype for this game. Again, like we talked about with this special episode, it's a game I like, I wish I loved this might've pushed me over the edge. And then even insanely enough, if I backed the deluxe pledge and then there was like another $100 to buy the miniatures, I might've done it. But when you release it as a whole, and say, it's it's my way or the highway like this. It's really hard. It's, it's, it's a lot to swallow. It's just a lot. And again, I think I think the gameplay elements might be challenged by these miniatures. And also, I think this game is just bigger and longer and crunchier than most people think it is if they have not played it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a challenge. I think that's gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. When this finally gets out, uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. That's what's going to happen.
0: But I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. It's sometimes it revitalizes a game to have something like this. Sometimes sure. it just makes people mad. So we'll see
1: which way it goes. Yeah, I, I, I gotta believe that that the initial conversation between Splatter and Lucky Duck was like, brass Birmingham, and that's all they said. And they dropped the mic and they walked out of the room. And like Splatter must have been like oh, dear God, we could be the number one game of all time. Yeah. If we just release a nice version of this, which Brass did. Brass had a lousy, ugly, terribly ugly version. So ugly, yeah. And then they released this, which is gorgeous, beautiful, and it had the, the iron clay tokens with it. And, like, it changed board game history. And then I'm sure Splatter's looking for the same, you know, mega thing. I think they just went too far. Yeah. Too close to the sun, I'm just saying. Yep, I'm with
0: you, man. It's it's it, it was It was too much too much too much too much
1: yeah well speaking about too much and explosive gigantic amazing games anthony every once in a while because we are also big video game fans we talk about video games we do yeah and it's it's a good time to do it because the
0: game awards just happened yesterday which mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of a misnomer, because if you actually watch the game awards, it's three and a half hours of ads and about 30 (laughs) minutes of awards, but it's still fun time to look back on the best games of the year. Yeah. And actual professionals do vote on the awards, so it is a real thing. They just don't spend much time talking about it during the show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and as much as we do like the board game content, I love to watch the video game content, the, the playthroughs, the reviews. And just the the innovations of games that have come out over the years. And they have done really well this year. I, I really felt, we talked about this off mic, I think this is one of the best years of gaming in forever. It is, yeah. It's a really weird year, too, though. Like, Because you hear
0: about, like, there's been a ridiculous number of layoffs, um, companies contracting. The company that owns Asmodee also happens to own, like, a dozen video game publishers, maybe more. <laughs> And they made a bunch of very bad investments. And now they're laying a bunch of people off as a result. So it's like bittersweet for sure. But at the same time, you have to appreciate the art that it's produced. And it's a lot of it's like hangover from COVID. Like these games are finally getting done. Mm -hmm. Um, So just so many good games came out this year. Like I play video games. I don't play that many. But this year I played a lot because there were so many that I was just that excited
1: for. But did you play the worst game of the year or the worst game of possibly of all time? The Gollum video game. (laughs) No, I did not. It's the it's the most maligned video game by everybody. Even the publisher was like, oh, we're sorry. Like, we're sincerely sorry about this.
0: Yeah, no, having to release an apology, like a full written apology, like a week after the
1: game comes out, probably the game's not good. Probably it's a sign. (laughs) The only thing worse was probably the E.T. video game for Atari back in the day yeah. where they, they buried like 60,000 copies of it or something like in yeah. well, the desert. Yeah, and that, that one like almost bankrupted Atari, so that's, yes. that's a whole nother level. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there was a lot of good stuff. So why don't you take us through this, Anthony? Game of the Year, which is the only one that really anyone cares about, but let's just talk about Game of the Year.
0: Yeah, so the Game of the Year, there were six nominees. Um, I have played all but one of these. I've not. I've only beaten one, but I've played all but one. Um, there was Alan Wake 2. So this was a much, much anticipated sequel to Alan Wake, which came out like 10 years ago, which I have been meaning to play forever. And I will play this, this winter now, I think, because it's about a writer and them kind of living vicariously through what they're writing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like very much in my wheelhouse, but it's also like survival horror, which is not in my wheelhouse. So... <laughs> like we'll see i'm gonna make it happen because i really want to play it and i played control a few years ago which is like a quasi sequel to that and i really like that game so Mm -hmm. alan wake 2 is a sequel to both of those games and it won a bunch of awards um it did not win game of the year but it won best game direction um and best narrative so it's 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 worth checking out i'm I'm gonna be checking it out
1: yeah a lot of different stuff how about some marvel spider-man 2
0: Spider-Man 2, yeah, it's, I I played through Spider-Man, the first one, came out five years ago, and I played through Miles Morales, which came out three years ago, um, I started this one, and maybe like a quarter of the way through it, it's very, very good, if you Mm -hmm. like, if you like Marvel stuff, you like Spider-Man, it is a very good video game, um, you have to have a PS5 though, that is (laughs) a limit, (laughs) so you go, it's, if you don't have a PS5, it's it's a $600 video game, so (laughs) you you gotta deal with that. All right. What about Resident Evil 4? Yeah. So they did the remake yeah. of Resident Evil 4. Uh, and if if you're not familiar, Resident Evil 4 came out over 20 years ago on the yes. GameCube. <laughs> um, but they remade it uh, with all new graphics. And it is a very good, faithful, in many ways, not always, adaptation of that original game. Um, I've been... Playing it in little bits here and there because it is scary and I don't like scary things most of the time, but <laughs> occasionally I'm up for it. Um sure. it's just it's such a good
1: game though. All right. And then Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Yeah, so th- they finally went back and made a good 2D Mario game. I was I was shocked by this.
0: Yeah, the last like three or four two D Mario games, not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since they made a good one. And this one is legit very good. I've beaten it a couple times now, once by myself and once with the kids. Um very very creative you get to be an ele- elephant it's, it's
1: fun you <laughs> <I> know <laughs> it's great the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom
0: ah yes this is just this is my game of the year um i like the game that won a lot but i haven't gotten far enough in it to say it's you know that amazing uh, i mean it is but legend of zelda is my thing it has been since i think i was like 13 when i discovered ocarina of time and breath of the wild was like this is amazing. It's my favorite game of all time. And this is better than that. So it's just, I play this nonstop for like three months after it came out. Mm. Um, I don't play anything that much. And I have like a hundred hours in this game.
1: It's, wow. it's so good. And then finally our winner for game of the year, not ours personally, but <laughs> other people's fancy, fancy winners. Uh, Baldur's gate three. Yeah. Dungeons and dragons, the video game, like legit. Who thought, so. who thunk it? We did, but nonetheless,
0: yeah that's <laughs> if you'd asked us yeah. nobody would have believed us but like like i don't know D is pretty hot right now with all the let's plays and everything else and i was like i don't know man it's a crpg no one's like those in like 20 years um do you remember the the like the halcyon days
1: of crpgs like oh yeah alder's gate and neverwinter nights and it's been a while it has and again i think i think that's what's most impressive about the games that came out this year like in the mario brothers one like and even Alan Wake too. Like I remember Alan. I remember I remember the original, yep. way back when, and that was kind of innovative in its own way too. And then they just went back, and they really they went for it because you did not need to do that. No one was asking for Baldur's Gate three. No right. one was. Nobody was asking for Alan Wake two. Like those. Those are just not things that are happening anymore, right? Like,
0: yeah. And that's the crazy thing. Like all six of these nominees were sequels or remakes. Yes. And they all knocked it out of the park. Crazy. Because they could have
1: just done a passable job and been fine. Like, just, you know, people would have bought them anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, like, again, like Super Mario Brothers, the last, the new Super Mario Brothers series, which I think there's, like, four or five of those, Mm -hmm. they're mediocre. They're fine. Like, they're sevens, right? But, like, you don't want Mario to be a seven. Mario's supposed to be a 10 out of 10 game. And it's been a while since we got a 2D Mario that was a 10 out of 10. And we finally got one. So, it's just... Yeah, everybody went for it this year, and they they all, they made it happen. It's
1: crazy. Yeah, and again, there's so many other, I mean, the reason why this also is very good is because there was so many other games that came out this year as well that were also very good and thought that they would, like, throughout this whole year, it was like, oh, the new Diablo, like, that's going to win game of the year. And, like, yeah. not so much, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. It wasn't you know.
0: nominated for anything, and it's great. It's a yeah. great Diablo game, but it's just, in this year, like, no. There's that's a new what,
1: Final Fantasy game this year that was also very good, and it was yeah. nominated for, like, two things. It's just, it's it's really surprising. And again, that's great, because usually when you win an award and you have, like, you were the only good thing, like, that's fine. Like, no one's going to be yeah. mad at you about it. But, like, the fact that there was so many great games that came out this year and the list was so long that actual good stuff that would normally win Game of the Year wasn't even included, that says a lot. Like, that's yeah. that's pretty amazing, you know? good star wars stuff good cyberpunk stuff just a lot of great stuff here yeah yeah I'm like i said this
0: is probably the most video games i've played in a year in a long long time possibly since my kids were born like and i used to play a lot of video games before my kids were born but then you know kids, kids. <laughs> it's hard to play games there you go um but this year i was like i'm gonna find time because these are just like legit all-timers and uh it's been a good year true true
1: true All right. Well, that's what's going on in the gaming world out there. Anthony, there's a lot of stuff that's going on with our friends out there. What's our question of the week? All right. Question
0: of the week this week is what's a game that completely upended your expectations for good or bad and how so? So like a game that you went in with certain expectations and you're like, oh, this is not what I thought it would be Um, kind of thematic for our episode this week. So over on the Patreon, and again, when we ask a question of the week, you can answer it on Patreon or in the Discord and be entered into a contest to win a game from our collection of prizes. Um so David on the Discord this week says, For me, it's Root. It was the first truly asymmetric game I'd played, yet it still maintained competitive balance. As such, it changed many of my expectations for symmetry in game design. Yeah, that's for me too, I think Root is up there. Um because other asymmetrical games i played before that were like coin games or uh, vast games that gave me headaches
1: right yeah <laughs> so... vast was came out before this yep for the, for leader games and i i really liked vast a lot but it was very hard to teach because you really had to know everything everyone's faction and it was kind of problematic to play in some ways, some ways? yes, yeah. it was really so hard yeah i but there was so much love for it and then they were like oh we're gonna do root and you're like come on, man, like you were already like, you know, don't do this to yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they, they did and they, it worked out. Yeah, no, it worked. It's 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 an all timer. Um
0: Drew throws out another one that actually I would probably cite for this as well. Pax Pamir. Um, and yes. I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about second edition. I went in thinking this was a dry area control war game. My mind was upended upon discovering that one, you aren't really playing a side, but rather trying to be the most favorite of the winning side. And two conflict points and actions are through developing your card tableau. Yeah. So such a unique system and a unique game. I had the exact same response. Like I didn't back this. I wasn't interested in it. A friend brought it over. We played and was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant.
1: I, I literally had a conversation at PAX with somebody. I think it was Will, maybe it was either Will or Eddie. And I was just like, pointing towards like Pax premiere second edition was on was at one of the booths. and i'm like this game this yeah. game like no way this game should work or be appealing or interesting or dynamic and like it is like i don't yeah it's just i don't know how that happened <laughs> yeah i know it's so good
0: <laughs> oh man it's two in a row though they're both cole whirly games which is funny and i'm pretty sure somebody mentioned john company uh, over on the facebook so oh sure i guess cole whirly has a way of upending people's expectations um ryan our, our our third entry here on uh patreon says iranian burger canal by Uwe rosenberg um so ryan says i'm not the biggest uve fan finding them generally just okay so i'm not sure why i backed the Gamefound campaign a few years back and i expected to sell it shortly after receiving it but when it arrived earlier this year i absolutely have fallen in love with the game and it's become one of my top games in general um it's like a pure uve euro game distilled down to its cleanest bits it has a simple set of actions but has deep decision making it including building routes and buildings um swapping out the different building decks adds a ton of replayability it's fantastic and the one uve game i own
1: whoa right
0: high praise for Ar- Iranian burger yeah so um that's over on our patreon a couple other answers on the facebook page george cook mentions love letter I heard nothing but good things about it, but never found it interesting sounding at all. Gave it a try, and now it's one of my favorites. Turns out everyone was right. <laughs> so there you go. Um, also mentioned Specter Ops. Loved the company, the designer, the art, the concept, everything except the gameplay. Um, just could not find a moment of fun in it. Always bummed out about that one. Um, Mark mentions Victorian masterminds so oh, no <laughs> no it goes the other way okay than what you'd expect uh at the time i was still fairly new to gaming and the cover just did not appeal to me but i really enjoyed the gameplay and would love to play it again so there you go there you go mark likes victorian master you That's know the, the thing about that game is it's actually interesting until you kind of solve it and then you're like oh there it is gotcha um and then Michael mentions holotype first design from the creators. And it's pretty solid, not fantastic, but thematic and well thought out. So a few different games that people were kind of surprised by thrown by something interesting popped up. Um, I, I feel like for me though, and it's probably, I think it sounded like for you as well, that the answer here is PAX Pamir. Yeah, I think so. absolutely. Yeah. So congrats to drew. Um, I'll reach out. Get <laughs> choose a game from the list uh, but that is that is the answer and if like I had to pick one I'm like yeah that's probably the one for me too it's not what I expected in any way and all the things it does I'm like yep that's great I want to see more of that
1: yeah certainly uh judge a book by its cover kind of thing mm-hmm. I think this is the most extreme example of it like you can look at the box you can look at the game components you can look at the artwork you could read the the history and what's trying to do and you can look at the designer And then at no time do you think this works at like, oh, that was a first edition. Nobody liked that. (laughs) Just like, all right. (laughs) Like, but if you are forced to sit down and play it, you're like, oh, that is surprisingly good and surprisingly dynamic and really interesting story. Like, who knew? I like this game that I never in all the years of life and would ever think I would. Yeah. Yeah, right. Thing. You're just like you're befuddled. I think the word is befuddled. I'm going to go with befuddled. Is that does that, that right? is
0: that is a very good way to put it? Yeah, yeah. and like it's not just like the game too, because when you're playing it, the scores are like the first time I played it, I got two points, right? And you're like, what is this? But then the next time I played it, one of the players got zero. So it's just that's sure. not the point of the game. It's oh, yeah, it just
1: really makes you rethink everything about that type of game, which is Absolutely. great. All right. Now, on to our games that we'd like to get the table and not be befuddled about because we've seen them in advance. And we want to tell you in advance so that you might, you know, back them in advance or pick them up or play them. I don't know. Our acquisition to this week, Anthony, what do you have for us? All right.
0: Uh, so I'm kind of stealing one from you because you sent this to me, but you didn't put it on the spreadsheet. So I feel okay saying it. Aw. Uh, I. I, I checked the spreadsheet first and you had something else. So I'm yeah. I'm doing Nucleum Australia. There you go. <laughs> um we just played Nucleum at PAX. I have a copy. I'm looking forward to playing it
1: solo here in the next few days. Listen to this guy brag. Do you hear this oh, yeah, folks? No. He's played it. He's got a copy of it. He's got a tattoo of it. He named his kid after it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you
0: like... Drag the kids down to the, the courthouse like a got to change his name to Nucleum.
1: Well, I mean, look, all the cool kids are doing it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: good stuff. I uh, needs it's a bright glowing green tattoo on his arm please.
1: Well, look, you you're the kid's name Spirium, so I'm not really surprised That's at true. all. That's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just really like glowing green stuff. That's right. Um, so this is a new map in Australia, right? To put it simply. Uh it's an expansion coming out next year, so you know, could be could be in a month, could be in 12 months, who knows. Probably I would imagine it'll come out towards the fall. That's when these things tend to come out. Um but it's taking it into a new region. So the, the big change here seems to be shipping lanes. So you have the opportunity to kind of travel over water. There's islands there as well, like off of the main island of Australia. Um, and just a generally different layout. So the expansion comes with the Australia map. It also comes with uh, new setup cards, coal mine tiles, new contract tiles, new milestones, new actions, and boats. So the new Ooh. mechanic here mostly seems to be boats and then you have a new map and i'm 100 percent okay with that because i love games that have a solid system in place and they can just be like here's a new map here's a new map here's a new map the thing i don't like is that i always feel the need to buy all the maps sure so we'll see how that goes like i have like seven concordia maps i play concordia like <laughs> twice a year why do i have seven concordia maps i don't know it's awesome um yeah. <laughs> uh power grid same thing i have like three boxes full of maps i don't I, some of them are still sealed <laughs> But <laughs> Nucleum, it's going to be the same problem. And it's even a longer game. But I'm probably going to pick this up um, because it's a new way to play. And it doesn't seem to add any bulk to the rules, which is I think is the main thing, like you and I talked about. Yeah. Great, expand it, but remix, don't add. Mm-hmm. If you add things to this, I'm not interested because the game already has probably about as much as I want to deal with.
1: I, I think, and again, I, we'll we'll see how stringent or i don't know like o- australia right like are they yeah. is, is it actually going to look like australia or is it just going to be another blob of land it's a blob of land i'm okay. looking at it now it's gotcha. a big blob of land but all right <laughs> so they're, they're calling it australia because just they had to pick a, a spot i guess
0: well you got shipping so right. you well. know it there's the island element of it all um right. there's coal mines sure there's more uranium access which is true to australia um I don't know. I, a lot of these maps are probably going to be kind of silly, and obviously the location
1: names are going to be Australian. Um, I, I mean, I'm fine for that. I, I'm down with that. Like Australia is great. Love it. All, yeah. all down for it. Definitely, we need more of that. I, I do think that the first board was a little graphically cluttered, and I, and I think when we we did our pl- our playthrough, I think even the uh, the teacher, the PAX teacher there, was like. This section over here doesn't look important because it doesn't. It. It's like way off t- to the bottom side of the board, but it is really important. You score a lot of points down here, so like I think boards should kind of lend themselves to kind of show you thematically what's important as far as what you should be doing, like regions yeah. and areas that are rich in certain things. And I don't think the bad the the board was bad for Nucleum, just though just it could have it could have been more informative, at least the layout.
0: I just sent you the link to this. Uh, it is just as nonsensical. I think if if anything, it's actually a little more because it's more crowded. Uh, <laughs> like this does not solve the problem that you're describing at all.
1: It's brighter. Um, I'll I'll give it that. It's brighter.
0: It is that is true. Yeah, the Germany map was kind of dark. Um, yeah, Th- but it's like just looking at it though. I'm like, there's multiple connections in and out of every location, it, which is good from a gameplay perspective. But it is still kind of busy to look at.
1: Yeah, I wish it actually looked like australia i'm just
0: yes yeah yes that would be nice because even if this is australia it's like a corner of australia yeah it's melbourne up to the gold coast that's it's it's not the whole continent can't be so
1: no (laughs) i think it's a bit of a mess no it's i mean it's a big continent at least it looks it it looks brighter it looks more a little more traditional which i'm not necessarily super on board for but i think the blue i think the the ocean kind of brings it a a little clearer uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm 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 excited about this. I I wonder if this, I wonder why about this <laughs> expansion. Because the game, the base game just came out. Like, was it something that was like we've talked about this for like a decade now? Like, was it something that was like created and then just cut off? Like they, you know, like some, you know, certain of the the ticket to rides, you get two maps. Was mm-hmm. this something, or was this just like? Is this is a response to the game. Like the play testers were like, if it had these things, it would be better. I don't know.
0: But I'm going to guess because they have everything mocked up already that this was like designed with the rest of the
2: game. Yeah,
1: everything like, looks completely ready to go. So like yeah. you said, we'll probably see this around Gen Con Essen time. So, just yeah. be, Just because that's when things sell. I would love for this to come out in January. That would be great, but that's what—that's yeah. not what games do. They don't do that. No, no, things. no.
0: <laughs> no, it'd be weird too because not everybody even has a copy of the game yet. So it's just now getting into distribution.
1: Yeah, um, which is weird. That's why when I sent you the, the information on the expansion, I was like, "This is soon. This is very yeah. soon."
0: Yeah, they're very confident in the game, and they should be. It's a good game, but at the same time, it's
1: like we're going to get a lot of expansions for this, aren't we? Because that's quick. <laughs> like, yeah. I again, like we talked about how you know, Fuche Magnet, like, didn't need all the giant, crazy kind of pieces, and this doesn't have giant, crazy pieces, I would have actually liked to seen a cool Nucleum piece, like the plastic mm. green cube and, and the little power plant thing. I think that could have been, like, punched up a little bit, but maybe that's another expansion down the road. You know what? If it's popular enough, someone will do it. Oh, I know. Etsy's already all over this, so check yeah. out Etsy. Etsy's awesome. Those are independent designers and cra- crafters and creators, like, you know... Holiday stuff. Go go to Etsy. Go to independent people. They're awesome. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, Anthony, that seems good, but I doubled down on you just in case because I, I knew you were going to do this. So I wanted to talk about just two quick Kickstarters that you either are on board for or just didn't know about or, you know, wanted to be that person that owned everything. And I know we're out there because I do a podcast. So... <laughs> So I want to tell you about Star Realms Deluxe Colonial Collection. It's a beautiful, portable, all foil Star Realms Collection. I played Star Realms, Anthony. You've played Star Realms. I'm sure everyone listening has played Star Realms at some point. Two-player, you know, battling game about all these different intergalactic planetary ships and defenses and... It's it has an amazing free app that you can play, at least the base game so to speak. And then it had all of these expansions and other stuff and then I lost track of it because it was just way too much and it was just I couldn't keep up with it. But it's a great game and it's been you the mechanics has been used in so many other games like I guess the recent Star Wars deck building game previously mm-hmm. used it and Hardback. I think Hardback had a Star Realms, if I remember correctly, element to it where you were basically like when you had letters out they came they were like bases like you had this yeah. letter you can always count on so right if you ever were interested in this or you know don't know anything about it this would probably be the time to back it <laughs> so uh sure. and it has multiple levels but again you're you, you pretty much pretty much you're going to want to buy everything um there's the foil cards foil cards are always nice you know it's and then there's foil cards with sleeves. And then there's the super deluxe box that's beautiful and has everything. And the box itself unfolds to be a game board, which Ooh. is awesome. I love that they I love did that. that. Yeah. I can't believe, you know, so many times you back a game, especially when it's on Kickstarter, and they're like, oh, we have this great game board or game mat. And you're like, oh, that's amazing. I want that. And then you're like, how am I going to travel with this? I'm always going to forget it. It's always going to be extra. It's always going to be like. Stuck somewhere else, but the box itself turns into that two-player thing. So this is the time, especially, and I really appreciate the fact that you can back this game with enough with the appropriate sleeves. So if this game is going to get in the hands of a lot of a lot of players over a lot of times, uh yeah, this is a thing to do. So yeah, store realms. This is cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, the only thing that ever makes me wary
0: is games that board games, especially with foil cards. The cards tend to curl. Yeah. So it'd be nice to know and I, I know they've done foils in the past, but I'd be nice to know from a listener or something like they got good quality foils or do they get curly? Because I you can't play a game like this if
1: they're curly. Yeah, I wouldn't buy this without the sleeves. I just yeah. I don't think you I foils are always, like you said, very problematic at the very least. Yeah. And if they're on thin paper, and I and I think I remember I think I remember still realms not having the thickest card stock. Pretty sure about that.
0: Yeah, I mean the base the original base game was like $15. So yeah. yeah, it wasn't super high quality. This is 190, so I hope it's
1: higher quality. <laughs> yeah. So, it's out there. So check it out. Also, another very similar game in the same kind of, I mean, just tremendously similar. Adventure Time card game. I'm sorry. Adventure Time Card Wars 10th Anniversary. For the glory, celebrate the anniversary of the most epic card game in the land of oo with the ultimate collection and new content. So, once again, Maybe you love Adventure Time and did not know that they have a two-player battle game, just like we talked about with Star Realms. I mean, you watch the show, so you know that they actually had an episode about it, which is really fun and cool. I love that episode where they battled. Do you remember that, Anthony? Are you an Adventure Time fan? Should I ask? I, I wish I was. <gasps> no. It's, I know this podcast, bro. What I know enough through osmosis.
0: I know there's a new thing that's all gender-swapped, and people are digging that. But I don't, I don't know. It,
1: I don't know how you of all people have not watched this. It's like if someone's playing Legend of Zelda on like, I don't know, some sort of illegal drug. I mean, but it has some (laughs) but it You know what the problem is though?
0: Yeah. This show is on when I when Jack was a baby. Uh So like anything that happened in that period of time from like twenty
1: eleven through twenty fifteen, I I have immunity. All right. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. Priorities, man. That's all I'm saying. You have a kid, it's a great (laughs) show on TV. I mean, priorities. So no. I, I will say that this, like I said, it's Legend of Zelda. Uh, I mean, it's not Legend of Zelda. It's it's elements of that kind of medieval D&D questing with weird creatures and characters. And it presents itself as more of a kid show. So you do have to catch a couple of episodes until you're like, oh, no, this is actually really me- meant specifically for adults. And then there are several episodes and several arcs that are really mature not in a sexual kind of way but like very mature theme and writing and surprising and again if you like those adventure games like Baldur's gate or anything else like that i think you really will gel with this because the stories are great the stories and the elements great and then the recent stuff is also very good like it's also great as well i want it's not lesser than it's just different it's uh it's more more along the the multiverse but this stuff is very good so they do have a battling two-player card game. And again, it, it has different factions with different card sets that are representative of the old stuff and the brand new stuff. So if you like Adventure Time and you did not know, this would be the time to pick it up because you could pick up all the stuff all at once at a at a very good price and you're done. It's good. Uh, if you're not an Adventure Time fan, you know, it's just another, you know, two-player kind of game out there so i don't know maybe magic or maybe this i don't know it's it's out there uh again you could pick up all the really good stuff at a reasonably price. it's on kickstarter you got some time to back it it's from cryptozoic and cryptozoic knows how to do those two player battling games they got the cerebus engine so they did all the dc deck building ones and the lord of the rings and and several other ones like uh Naruto and I don't know there's a lot of them. Transformers <laughs> there was so many of them back yeah, in the day endless so they did another one <laughs> but it's adventure time now so that's that's fine yeah so check it out all right yep all right so that's everything that we want to hit the table this week let's look about the games that did hit the table and we'll let everyone know if those games are a buy and they should run out and pick those games up if those games are a play and they should sit down and enjoy them if those games are a dodge and they should avoid them or in fact, if those games are the dreaded burn, and just let it roast over an open fire with some chestnuts and Christmas carols, because you know it's the holidays, man. Uh it's
0: it's always so interesting and creative, like how we're burning the games, but then we don't burn any games. So we gotta we gotta find some bad games, man. Do we? Do we? I, I burned a game. I burned a game this year, at least one. I, yeah, I was close. I don't think I quite got there, but mm. I, I I don't burn a lot of games. Feel the That's what people keep telling me like Anthony burn more games I'm like
1: I gotta f- I don't like playing bad games <laughs> Dude you got a job part of the job is playing bad games. That's what people are asking us to do Some Freud going on here. They're like chris and anthony could you play the bad games for us I'm like oh
0: man They're like all right yeah so we, do yeah. y'all the- need to send me some recommendations of bad games oh you no some fun bad reviews that's gonna be <laughs> a po- like-
1: that's gonna be a whole podcast now
0: look what you did yeah <laughs> probably i i would actually have fun with that if people like play this it's terrible i'm like cool and you go in thinking like how bad could it be and then take it from there
1: i think that's a new year's resolution right there play more bad games <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there we go
0: we did it <laughs> Oh, man. Well, unfortunately, my review this week is not a bad game. Oh, it's,
1: come on, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's not the second coming of board games either. It's fine, but it's not bad. Um, it's Junk Drawer. and This is a polyomino placement game, so, you know, I don't think it's a bad game. I don't know what you would think. But it is a game in which you are organizing a messy junk drawer and scoring points based on some uh, scoring recommendations. Um, I didn't Actually, know this existed until I got an email from my game store back in Pittsburgh, and the owner of who writes those emails was all about it. Like this game's amazing. And I was like, oh, interesting. Polyominoes. Um, and then I demoed it at PAX with my daughter who likes patchwork, and I'm like, okay, this is Polyominoes. You like Polyominoes? Let's see how it goes. And she's like, this is cute. I like this. So I ordered a copy. um In the game, you have a a grid of four scoring tiles that are telling you what you need to do in your own junk drawer, which also has four sections. Um, and these, these things are fairly basic. They're things like, you know, space is covered on the outside spaces covered on the inside space is not covered on the inside, so on and so forth. You get to the more advanced cards because there are more advanced scoring cards and they could be like specific shapes that you're trying to build. Sure. And what you do on your turn, it, everybody's going to have a, a card there's four cards for each round and you flip them over one at a time and everybody has to look into their personal supply of tiles and take that tile because you all have the same tiles and you place that tile into one of the four locations you get to choose you're all placed in the same tile but you get to choose where it goes so it's kind of like caruba or honestly like a roll and right or a flipping and right and then you're trying to do that in the most efficient way possible to meet the objectives of the game and so you do that four times All four of those tiles need to go in a different section. So you have four sections. You cannot place two tiles in the same section on any given round. And the game just keeps going until any one player can't place a piece. Like there's just not enough space for it. And then you finish that round and the game is over. So the game ends at different levels because if you have one really inefficient player, the game ends pretty early versus if you have, you know, a few very efficient players, the game might go a little bit longer. Um, it can't go that long just because you don't have that much space for stuff. Uh, the solo version is literally just that, but you're doing it by yourself. So I've done that as well. Um, and then you look at your score based on the number of points that you can gain from each of those scoring tiles. Whoever has a high score wins. Very simple. The game takes like, I think they say up to 25 minutes, but I, I can't imagine it taking that long. (laughs) So 15, maybe it's very quick. Um, and it's, perfect weight for a family because the rules themselves like you read the rule book it's like two paragraphs like everything else in that rule book is just like examples and they have like recommendations on combinations of scoring cards based on like do you want something easy medium or are you playing with older people um which is nice to have uh, with from the family perspective it is pure polyomino puzzle organization there's not much strategy beyond that it's very tactical but I found it to be cute and interesting. I like games that have like, everybody has the same resources. Let's see who can do it the most efficiently. Like, again, I like roll and rights. I like that type of game. So this is like a flip and write combined with a polyomino game, which there's the only one other one I can think of is number nine, which is the same kind of thing. You flip a card, everybody takes the same number and you stack it in your tableau. So, uh, this is up there with number nine, which is a solid play for me. I own that game. Um, And I think this one is also pretty solid. So I'll hold on to it. It's a play. I think the kids will continue to enjoy it. Um, And it's just really quick and simple. Like this is something I could throw on the table and we could play in 15, 20 minutes as filler and gives you just a little bit of a scratch in terms of like thinking and puzzliness without it being like overwhelming. If you only have a few minutes to play. So all the parents out there know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Like, You want something a little more substantial than a dice chucker, but not. Two hours long, and this kind of fits that niche really
1: well. So, Junk Drawer, solid game. I appreciate the fact that unlike Feast for Odin, the shapes of the polyominoes do match the shapes of the items themselves. That's true. (laughs) Yes, they do. Yeah, a roll of tape
0: is shaped like a roll of tape. There's like an asthma inhaler. Yeah. Um. There's like a a, corkscrew flashlight. Yeah. Corkscrew. Yeah. Like it's cute. It's a cute game, and it the kind of puzzly nature of it is interesting. So it's
1: no, the theme works. I think it's great. And I think it's good for a lot of people who are not into organization to see like, yeah, organization can be a puzzle. Organization can be fun, especially for younger people who are like, look, we all have a junk draw, but draws, they need to be organized. So like, yeah, this, I think this works really well. I appreciate this a lot. And I, I think always think it's funny too, because so many times people come up and they're like, Oh, you, you do the board game thing and they're like yeah and they're like what what types of board games what, what are the themes and stuff i'm like literally anything and they're like no 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 yeah. there's not a there's not a board game based on this and i'm like yeah. oh no there's like <laughs> several based on that and they're like what about this i'm like no no there's 12 based on that and yeah now there's a game if there wasn't already a game based on organizing your junk draw
0: <laughs> yep and it is literally that you are organizing a junk drawer, like physically which yeah i love I, which i love when a game can Take on the manifestation of the thing you are physically doing, and this is exactly
1: no. I, I mean thematic appeal. Like I love a game that has the theme, and the, like it just just looking at the game itself. I haven't played it, but looking at the game itself, like I get it. Like I get it completely. It makes perfect sense all all along the way. So yeah, bravo yep. there. Yep, I could teach this game
0: to you in like thirty seconds. There you go. Like it's that's how simple it is. Excellent.
1: All right, so that's everything that hit our table this week. Let's get on to our feature review. So, our feature review this week, of course, is the greatest games in the world that we wish that we liked a lot more. Because people love them, we want to love them. We feel like there's a reason to love them, but unfortunately, sadly, we don't love them. We like them, but we don't love them. But we want to like yes. them. But we want to love them. I don't know. We like them. <laughs> that's, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's that's a, exactly it's, how it is. It's a roller coaster of emotion, people. These games are just toying with us, which is also kind of a pun intended. But nonetheless, Anthony, mm-hmm. you, you've you had these experiences. You've played these games. Why? Why? They're on your shelf right now. You're looking at them. They're looking at you. There's... Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. The the first one on my list is literally sitting in the hallway right now because I need to take it downstairs. Uh-oh. So, <laughs>
1: Be quiet. It's going to hear you. <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah. It, it could beat me up. It's pretty big. <laughs> so... um. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Like, some of these games are... Like, a couple of these games were in my top 100 or 150 for a while and it's just it's like it made a strong first impression maybe or like I got caught up in the hype and the buzz of it and I held on to it out of I don't know guilt or obligation or thinking maybe I'll still like this if I get it in the right circumstances or if I can get it set up right and it just never happens right like there's a couple of games on this list where I don't own them or I feel like you know, I played them a few times and I'm like, eh, it's just not going to happen. But some of these, I'm like, I've owned these for a while and I really want to like it and it's just not working. Yeah. Um, And it's, that's okay. I think this is, this is our therapy for the week is like, it's okay <laughs> not to like a game that everybody else likes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we, we talked about PAX Premier Second Edition where everything tells you this game will not be fun. And yeah. then you play it, and you're like, oh, I don't know why. And again, once you played the game, you're like. I still don't know why it's fun. Like I was literally, yeah. point, like I said, I was pointing out <laughs> to someone at the, at the con and I'm like pointing at the game and they must have thought I was a crazy person. I'm like, this game is fun. Pointing at the game, fun game, fun game. And they're like, I why, why? are you okay? Do you need an adult? Do you need to sit down? Are you, are you dehydrated? <laughs> and I'm like, because you have to like penetrate everything that it that it feels like it's not. These games to me, Feel like they're everything that I would love in a board game and want to love in a board game, and then nonetheless, when you sit down and play them, the opposite is true. It's just like there's just something where it just doesn't land for me, and I just not always can put my finger solidly on it. It just doesn't work. It just it just does not connect. Right. So we have a list of these because we have to, you know, yeah. I don't know. We just have to say these things out loud. (laughs) It's a little bit of a little bit of a confession here. So amongst our shelves of games that are surrounding us, so hopefully they don't come to life like Toy Story and be upset about this. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Yeah, some of these are big. So what do you have up first, first Anthony? And I, I think yours might be a little similar to mine.
0: Yes, yes, we we both chose the same game first. Uh, it's Gloomhaven. Yeah, I think, it is Gloomhaven.
1: Yeah, I think if there was an if this was list was listed as the top ten ones, I think this would be number one for us. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, it's it's and you know what when gloomhaven first came out i loved it i'm not gonna like this is not like i'm not gonna pretend i didn't um it was in my top 100 for a long time it was relatively high the first time around and when i got it i played through the first like 15 20 scenarios i was like this is great i'm having fun <laughs> and it just started to grind and i'm like maybe i'm not having fun and but then i just kept telling myself you got to get this back to the table you got to play more of it you've invested in it you have an insert in there this game is expensive everybody loves it It's amazing. And a combination of not having the right group for it, or at least not a consistent group, and the solo scenario is just feeling like a grind, like a literal grind to get through. Um, An interesting puzzle playing like a game of it, but it's just so overwhelming when you look at it. Like there's a hundred something games here to get through. And I just, it sat on my shelf forever. It was in my top 100 until like last year. Um, And even that was just like me thinking like, I'm supposed to like this game right it's the number three of all time for a long time it was number one i'm supposed to like this game and i've i've kind of in the last six months been like you know what i don't think i do and that's fine (laughs) so (laughs) it is in the hallway right now waiting to go downstairs it goes on the to sell list um and that's fine because i i got what i needed out of it and i just don't have an interest in playing it anymore
1: yeah so love dungeon crawls love dungeon crawls and the idea of a dungeon crawl with a deck, having a deck building element to a dungeon crawl, is, you know, especially back back then, was unheard of. And it was like, this is going to be a wonderful, amazing experience because there's Euro elements, gameplay-wise, in here, there's this wonderful legacy mechanic. You can retire characters, bring new characters out. You build you build in the town there's different paths there's different victory there's a whole bunch of different stuff there's secrets and you can open these boxes and they have different characters you've never seen you don't want to spoil yourself and there's no reason why this game shouldn't be like the greatest game of all time and we just retire like that should be the thing right like we stopped the podcast if the game is here we're loving it it's great done i had a consistent group that was dedicated to it. We played 30 plus games of this and it was almost always a grind because almost and again I have 30 plus missions forgive me if there was something radically different that changed after it but it, you were doing the same thing. It was a hack and slash game. And there was no other elements to it of like there's a puzzle or you have to do a thing it was just it was just hack and slash. And then on top of which the setup was so laborious that you never wanted to lose a mission because you would have to replay that. And that was, that was the only thing that really pushed me into like trying to play optimally because I do not want to have to set up this, this mission again. And I don't want to have to grind through this again. And I, 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 I don't know. Again, and, and then Frosthaven came out and I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. I want to do it. Isaac <laughs> Childress is a, an amazing genius. The people who are into this are cool people. The all the stuff, the, the campaign, they had they had one of, I think it might have been Game Found or Backer Kit or something, where you could literally get anything, everything for Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, all the other havens. I it just never it nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. Just not not a thing. I, I don't know. I want it to be a thing. I would love for it to be a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, same boat.
0: Uh, it took me a lot longer to get there, but I'm with you now. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right. Next put on, on my list is another game that was number one for a long time. And I have played this a couple of times and I've tried to play it a couple more times. And it just has never really fully clicked with me. And there's a few reasons why, I think. Um, and that's Twilight Struggle from 2005. Um, this is currently ranked number 13. So it's like way up there at the top of the list. And I'm like, uh, just why is this not a game that interests me more? It's two player asymmetrical. One of my favorite types of games. I have a bunch of them. I love them. Um, the designers, Ananda Gupta, Jason Matthews, uh, Matthews designed 1960, uh, making it the president, which is, is one of my favorite games, like same kind of thing, card driven, map based. Love that uh it has expansions that kind of build out and add new and interesting elements to it there's even an alternate version like an imperial uh you know like walking through the the imperial uh age of europe and it's just something about the push and pull of this game combined with its length because it is quite long and the overt political nature of it it just you combine all those things and it's just not a good combination for me personally Like I'm somewhat put off by the theme. The length drags that out a little bit. And if you're teaching the game, it's a bear because it's long and you got to make sure the other person knows what they can and can't do. And if you're on the receiving end of the teach, then it's it's the reverse, right? Which was my first play and it was not great. Um, So it's just one that keeps hovering and I keep trying to get back to it. And I just feel like I love this type of game. I like card driven games that are two players. It's one of my favorite types of games. Why do I, do I not like the one that is considered the best? <laughs> right? And I just don't. And I, I I don't own this anymore. I got rid of it a while ago. Um, I'm comfortable now with the fact that I own a couple of others that do this in a way that's more interesting to me. But yeah, Twilight Struggle, uh,
1: just, just not doing it. I've never played this. I have played 1960 The Making of President and love that. This is, again, like you said, one of those kind of grail experiences as far as the game's concerned. I've only seen it out in the wild once. I started a game night, two people were playing it. I was like, oh, there it is. I've never seen it out there. It's been on sale. It's been available all along the way. Just never happened. Again, two player, heavy, complex, need a strong teach, going to get crushed. (laughs) Just like, uh, yeah, I never played it. All right, so next up for me is kind of a duo. It's Terra Mystica and Gaia Project. These are two games, Terra Mystica came out first, and then Gaia Project came out later, that I kind of enjoy, but I would never ask to play. And I've played both of these games surprisingly a lot for a game that I just would never ask to play because so many people in my group Love Terra Mystica. Gaia Project a little bit less th- less so. And maybe that's just because Gaia Project came out later and already Terra Mystica was kind of like ingrained in people's consciousness as far as gameplay is concerned. So Terra Mystica has the theme. I love the artwork. I love the, the fantasy theme. I love the terraforming that goes on. Such a smart kind of concept. The graphic design is fo- is fine I like it you know it makes it makes sense more or less um the pieces are problematic for me personally but I'm probably the only person on the planet who has a problem with the Catan pieces being in this game and the weird <laughs> and the weird giant awkwardly shaped blocks that are supposed to be a thing but there's just something about the magic system that goes along with this and how you kind of build out your sections for area of control and some of the elements where you need to be building near somebody in order to like reduce your costs and score points, but at the same time you want to have your own area and grow out and it, it it just for whatever reason, and I know so many people love it. I remember hearing about that there are like really detailed analysis as far as when you play a certain faction, where you should build, how you should build out, what the orders are like very chess-like, like the analysis and the gameplay just brilliant. And then Gaia Project came out and it was just better, right? Like the mechanics wise, like the tracks actually did a thing instead of just being tracks that you ran up. And I love space. Space is awesome. But again, I felt something devoid in the artwork and the presentation. And it still had some of the similar elements as far as the terraforming and the quasi magic system that went into it. That was It just fell flat. Both versions kind of fell flat. Terra Mystica was a little more, you know, colorful and thematically appealing. Gaia Project was more mechanically uh, brilliant, but both of them were like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I know that they have, obviously, you've you've mentioned it. I haven't played it yet. The new Terra Mystica Nova kind of things that have come out since, but these games, it just never did for me
0: yeah yeah i mean i would definitely say play age of Innovation at least once but yeah. i don't know if it's gonna solve it because it's not different enough mm-hmm. it's like a distillation and refinement of terra mystica but it's not like a new game sure. so um we'll see i'll make you play it yeah sounds good all right uh, next up for me is wingspan uh this one it's been almost five years now which is crazy heretic came out heretic no I know. why <laughs> get them birds get them um, get them So this is like the definition of a game I wished I liked more. Mm -hmm. Like some of these are like games I liked and I have to come to terms with the fact I don't like it. But this one is like everything about it says I should like this game. Right. It's tableau building. It's engine building. It's a fun, different theme. The artwork's beautiful. Um, The design is interesting. The expansions add elements to the game. And yet, despite having played it, 15-20 15-20 like times because I had one of the first copies in Pittsburgh somehow um, and just played it constantly for like three months. Everybody wanted to play. It just never quite got me. Like every time someone's like, oh, bring Wingspan, we'll play it. I'm like, okay. But honestly... <laughs> there was one time at around like the second month or so where they're like, Oh, look, bring wingspan. We'll play it. And I brought it and I just gave it to them. I'm like, just make sure I get it back sometime. Like, I don't want to play it right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just done with this game. Um, and so why is it a game that I just doesn't click with me? I don't, I've, I've yet to kind of pinpoint this. Exactly. I think you voiced a few times, like, you know, the kind of runaway combos in the game. Yeah. Those are bothersome. I'm not, I'm not a fan of those. True. Uh, it is like a weirdly complex teach despite the fact it's not a complex game Mm -hmm. um for people who are not because everybody wants to play the bird game so and some (laughs) people just it's a little too heavy for them sure and it's always longer than it feels like it should be especially like with the full five players so you know the box is like it's an hour and i'm like it's never an hour it's like two two and a half hours and it doesn't feel like a game that should be that long yeah and part of that is because people are like torturing themselves over those combos yeah um there's just so many other tableau building type games where the theme is more engaging to me and at the same time the decision making space is not so broad that it can really like expand and build and take forever and also spiral out of control (laughs) so um i don't think it's a bad game at all i think it's a very well-made game it's very interesting it does stuff that other games are still copying but that combination of things has made it a game that, for whatever reason, I still own and have all the expansions to, and yet if somebody asks to play it, I'll be like, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. So it it falls squarely in that space of, man, I wish I liked this more because everybody's willing to play
1: it with me even after five years. Yeah, I I think you and I talked about this way back when. Like I knew this game was going to be big, like yeah. before it even came out. It just it looked like it, it felt like it. Like we we're talking about Pax Premier, where it didn't. This one, like, Mm -hmm. it did for me. Like, just looking at everything about the game looked like it was going to be a phenomenon. And it was. And I don't own everything for it because at a certain point, it just, with my group at least, it kind of tired out. Although, I played it online today a bit. I played it yesterday. I played a a full game through. Uh, And I'm looking forward to play it because Oceana is coming out on Steam as far as the expansion is concerned. So mm-hmm. I have, I come back to this every once in a while. I I would like to own the rest of it just to you know play out and see how some of the other mechanics work, but I could see that. Like we there are there are better there are better tableau builders. And certainly I think one of the little disappointment for me is like the goals should be more impactful, right? Cuz the goals kind of like hey, each round like at you know each round this goal is important and this goal is important, but they're not as important as Four or five other things that could happen in the game. So it's like, what am I really doing here? Nonetheless, all right for me. Next up is Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods uh, from Red Raven Games. I played through the whole campaign. Uh, actually, I played through the uh, uh, two campaigns of this, and I was really excited about it. There's a lot of a lot of hype for this game, and. I like Red Raven games. They they kind of have, again, because they're you have your, your one designer artist here, they have a similar kind of aesthetic to it. They have a similar weight and gameplay to it. And this was going to be the one that was going to break out. And this was going to be like story and mechanics, like the best of all the things that, you know, that Red Raven had put together. And Ryan Lockett did a good job, but at no time did I feel like the story or the mechanics were compelling in any real way, nor was the ending of the game interesting or compelling, nor was any of like, did I ever feel like we're going to lose or get knocked out of the game? So it was a lot of work for what was fairly a very simple, straightforward game, but because it had so many different elements to it and so many different endings to it, and because Ryan Lockett has just done a tremendous job with this game and so many other games, I want to kind of be enveloped in that world. And they've had expansions since. And a friend of mine was like, oh, we can pick up the expansion. I'm like, no, I'm good. And they're like, but it's great. It's amazing. The artwork, the characters. Nope. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I want to. Like, I've invested a lot of time, money, and effort into it. And I just, I don't, it's just not, it just doesn't work for me. And I wanted to, because again... It sh- it should be that legacy game that is heavy enough to keep you engaged, but light enough that you could get through it quickly. And just neither of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: not not one I've had a chance to play, but your review kept me away from it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the thing that happened. <laughs> um, next up for me is Orleans. This is a game I've owned twice now and gotten rid of twice now. <laughs> so it just like i love the artwork as somebody who studied you know classical literature and read a lot of you know romantic poems and and stories in college like just having that like classic medieval french saxony type of artwork just amazing i loved it and the bag building element you know it, it just seems like something i should do cuz i like deck building i like curating a collection of things that kind of helped me do things over the course of the game but one thing i've discovered is i don't like bag building by itself right like there are very few bag building games i've played and actually enjoyed i don't know what it is about it like throwing a bunch of stuff in a bag and shaking it up and pulling stuff out it's it doesn't do it for me (laughs) i don't know why sure um it's repetitious it's You're just constantly cycling things. You take so many actions in a game like this. Everything feels incremental. There's never like that big jump that you get in a a game where everything's in front of you. Um, And so despite the fact I love the look of it, despite the fact that some of these expansions are brilliant and interesting. And despite the fact that i like get a nice thrill out of like accomplishing like specific goals within the game. It's one that I'd actively have avoided. Like, if it hits the table at game night. And like I said, I've owned it twice and I've gotten rid of it. Um, And I've I've just kind of discovered over the course of the years that part of that is I just don't like this core mechanic. Like, you you just tell yourself, like, you like deck building. Why don't you like bag building? It's like, (laughs) it's somehow different. And I don't know why, but it's just not something I'm interested in. So Orleans is not
1: my cup of tea. Yeah, this has always been in my top 100, top 150. I think. It certainly does suffer from at least a base game, not enough variety. I think we got I got to the point where you it's almost like unrails like if you if you were a certain player, you knew what to do. The extra buildings that that you could get as like little mini packs actually makes the game full but mm. uh I could certainly see that you know as as a deck builder, you have a general idea of when something's coming out as a as a bag builder. <laughs> just like you may never see that that piece you just you keep plunging the bag for that but uh yeah no I love Orleans uh but yeah no, I, I can certainly see that uh next up for me is a game I know you love Anthony that I can't ever seem to get my head around and just I don't I have played it more times than I really need, wanted to uh that's Twa <laughs> uh Twa is a game all about working really hard and thinking very strategically about purchasing dice to kind of benefit you and then have other people take them why they pay you for them why they pay you i don't want to pay i want to i want to take the thing that's going to do a thing for me and i worked really hard to get those dice and then you take the dice man (laughs) i just don't i and again there's a couple of other games that i I think the other one that i I would kind of come close although not completely close to is keyflower Because Keyflower, Mm -hmm. you build out your own little tableau of village areas that other people could then just jump in and take your spots. So it it kind of fits along those lines. But Twa feels worse. And I kind of like Keyflower because it kind of makes a little more sense. But Twa is just like, all you have is the dice. You've worked really hard to get the dice. And people just take your dice. And I don't know why I'm playing this game. I just, (laughs) I have a really disdain towards this. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's funny. Yeah. Like the funny part too, is you're, I'm like, Oh, I don't like it. And you're like, Oh, I love that game. And then you're like, I don't like it. I'm like, Oh, I love that game. They both have like a similar art style. Yeah. So it's almost like same theme, very different approaches. And we both flip flop on these. Yeah. Well, Um, if
1: you stick your hand in my bag, (laughs) 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 yeah, I think I'd hate that too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, you can buy other people's dice. So, you know, if everybody's buying on your dice and you can't do anything, it means you're not being very efficient with your money. So what are you going to do?
1: I just, I I, <laughs> I find that mechanic counterproductive or counterintuitive. Like, like, what's the point then? Like, what's the point? Like, I'm buying stuff that might be attractive for you to buy. Like, I'm getting those dice, working very hard to get dice, so you could take them. Like, yeah. Well, why am I? Fun. Why am I even here? Like, why I could just like, I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I I 100% understand. I it for whatever reason I find it to be a fascinating mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, you don't see other games taking it and probably for good reason. So I do not fault you on that one. Sure. Um next one up for me is a game that I thought I would love because it has all the things that I find interesting in, in games, right? You're throwing a bunch of dice, you're puzzling them together in a way that is thinky and interesting. And you're going on these quests and accomplishing various goals. So in Too Many Bones, which is effectively an RPG, right? You're building out your, your dice, you have a huge, huge pile of dice, and you're trying to like maximize the values and the, the things that your character can do. Components are amazing, artwork is great. And I found it to be deeply, deeply boring. Deeply boring <laughs> as a game. It's it's one of those games that in my opinion anyways they're saying like look at all these amazing mechanics that are woven in with the story and the elements of the story and then when you really get down to it the mechanics are not actually that interesting right because they take so long to accomplish Mm. it just takes a long time to get the dice you need build them up put them in the locations unlock the abilities and then the story at least in like the early versions of the game and the kind of early expansions and i know they've kind of built on this in other iterations but it's just not very interesting. Like I'm not, it doesn't carry the game. So it's similar to how you describe like sleeping gods where it's, you know, like, Oh, it's supposed to do both. And it does this in a very interesting way. And it's actually not that interesting. It also doesn't do the mechanics very much. That's how I feel about too many bones. And then it's also on top of all that very heavy and extremely expensive. So (laughs) like, um, I had a friend back in Pittsburgh who brought this game several times. I played it several times because I'm like, I feel like I should like this mm-hmm. game. I like story in my games. I like RPGs. I like the theming here. I like the people who make it like they're cool people. And I just it, I could never get over just
1: it just felt bland.
0: I don't know. It's, it, I was not engaged or interested by what the game was. The story it was trying to tell me.
1: I think I played this. I own it. I own a good chunk of it. And this is a lifestyle game, period. Yeah, like Excellent. if if you are the type of person that's going to financially invest and time invest into this, you have to, because this right. is not a game that you can put at the tape This is a gloom haven, and I think most people don't know that you you have to like the theme. You really have to love the artwork. You have to love the the particular type of story elements, like you were saying about sleeping gods. Like this has to be your thing. There's mm-hmm. not because that's all there is to the game because it's it's everywhere and it's consistent throughout the expansions, so not a bad thing, but it just is what it is and as you mentioned, the gameplay elements like the actuals you know attack and skirmish and stuff like that are good, but again, they're as they're as straightforward and as flat as the theme and the story and everything else like. Again, it's not bad, but you have to really be into it because it's a lot of that. And it's mm-hmm. not as you said like you don't have those big turns, those big moves. It takes a while to upgrade your character even though like you have like a ton of spots to do so. And there's so many characters in the game. It's it promises a lot. And you yeah. just have to be that type of person. I don't It's just that's what it is, like period.
0: Yeah, and that's what everybody's told me too. It's like if it comes through on its promises if you play it like Thirty-five times, yeah. so I'm like, not happening. And it's, it kind of fell into that Gloomhaven bucket. And you, had, this is not one I ever owned, yeah. so it's not quite that bucket. But yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's 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 your thing or it's not your thing, and I don't think there's any 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 wiggle room on that. And again, right, you can't just throw this on the table and go, let's play, like it's not a thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. not <laughs> a thing that happens there. Uh, well, uh I guess this was going to come up eventually. Uh, Hansa Teutonica. Yeah.
0: So I almost put this on mine too.
1: <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of things you could say about us through, through the years as far as like what type of gamer we were and stuff like that. And like when we were at the convention, someone like called us out and was like, hey, I have this cool kind of game and I'm, you know, this is the stuff. And I was like, I turned to Anthony, I turned to the guy, I'm like, we're Euro gamers. Now, historically, when you said you were a Euro gamer, one of the first games or the definitive game more or less, it came up was Hansa Teutonica. It has the, I don't know, quasi-interesting odd guy on the cover. Like, it it, it looks like a Euro game. It's, it's green and beige like a Euro game. It's flat and two-dimensional in gameplay-wise as a Euro game. It's dry as all get out. There's no theme, really, in the game. Like no, no. Like, this is the opposite of every... Amerithrash, theme like color, flavor, passion dice and like people love it and like I play this a lot of times and I wanted to love it, I own a copy of it that's still sealed and it's 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 been a while so you know I, I do want to, I even looked at the Kickstarter or whatever it had, the crowdfunding or whatever whatever was at one point it was on retail or something like the big box version of this and I'm like yeah, this is going to be the moment that I'm going to love this. And I'm like, I just I play it, I win, actually win the game, and <laughs> yeah. it brings me no joy. <laughs> yeah. So, I I want to. I I really want to.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, this was on my list and then I paired it off just to get the numbers down. Yeah. Um for all those reasons. I have played this game like five times. I think when I checked my numbers, sure. I won 4 of them. Yeah. That's boring. And- <laughs> it's not yeah. it's it's not solvable but like it's so dry that it basically becomes a spreadsheet in my head yeah and it's just like okay i'll do this and i'll do this and i'll do this uh, it's i don't know i've owned it twice i got rid of it i think i still got i don't know if i got rid of it now but it's yeah i don't know if someone brings it out i would play it but it's it's not something i want you know what's funny about to you
1: know what's funny about this game too like I sit down and I'm like, we're going to play this and I'm already disappointed and I don't want, (laughs) and I don't want to be disappointed, but now I'm disappointed and I'm a little resentful and everyone starts playing it. And then if you know anything about the game, like you really do jockey for position in certain areas. So like everyone's fighting for like the real high power, high point areas. And then I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I'm playing the game. All right, fine. I will go the opposite direction, the area nobody wants, and, you know, and I end up doing my own thing. Also, not cool, not fun in the game. And then I end up winning and I'm just like, I hate you. You really want me to like you. Like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's what happens. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, man. All right. So my next game is uh, a little bit different. Very different, actually. Um, Clank, a deck building game. This is a game when it first came out, I was like, oh, deck building, but then also there's a board element to it. And it came out around the same time as a couple other games that did this. Like trains, I think, and then um there was some D game that I, the uh, like Underdark. I can't remember the exact name. But it was like all of a sudden a thing. Like, okay, we're taking deck building, we're taking Dominion, and we're giving you a board, and then you have to manage multiple things. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be so cool, because I love deck building, it's a fun idea. And Clank does it in a way that should be satisfying, right? It's got the fantasy theme, it has a lot of fun puns on it. It's relatively simple, easy to teach, um has a cool mechanic where you're delving down and then you're making noise and it can wake up the dragon and then you got to get back out with whatever treasure you grabbed. And for whatever reason, and I think it's the length of the game, but for whatever reason, I just never felt quite satisfied with this game, right? I never felt like I had built up the deck and the engine that I wanted to build. I never quite felt like I got as far as I wanted to when I delved into uh, the dungeon. And I've played with a couple of expansions. I think there was like an Egyptian one. Um, I did play the space version, in Space. And it just always kind of has that same feel of like, just as it's getting going, just as you start to feel that you've accomplished something, someone triggers the end of the game, right? Um, Whether because they're not being careful or because that's just the timer on the game, right? It's not meant to be long. It's meant to take an hour. It's meant to be pretty tight and efficient. And I just don't think it should. I think it, and, and I don't want it to be long necessarily, but I feel like another 20 minutes or so, another little element to it. And part of the reason I know that it's not the deck building that bothers me is that Paul Denon, the designer of this game, made dune imperium which is a brilliant game and i love that game um with especially with the expansion materials in there and that's just a longer experience that lets you build up and accomplish more things right it lets you explore that world and do things in that space and it feels like you're accomplishing something and clank i just never quite feel like i'm accomplishing anything and this is another game where i look at my my game plays and i'm like i win this game more often than i don't and I just don't feel anything from that. I don't have any memories of this game where I'm like, that was a fun one. It's just like, oh, yeah, that time when I was down there and that person went and they made a bunch of noise. And then the thing happened. I had to get out of there. <laughs> it's not it's not satisfying. I get why people like it, because it is short and easy and specific and direct and all within that theme that we all like. Um, I just want something more out of it. So. This, is, this falls into the category of this is not the game I wanted it to be and therefore I'm disappointed in it and I just wish I liked it more. I wish it was doing more. Sure.
1: I, I like this game and but when I played it it felt like either it was too easy or it was too sim- something along the lines. And I think somewhat of the takeaway there like you mentioned was when you play this game it feels like everyone's being very dumb. Which I know is the yeah. I know is the concept of the game, right? Like we're all greedy adventurers trying to steal treasure from the sleeping dragon. That's an incredibly right. dumb thing to do, right? Like, so like you, you play the game, you're like, oh, this is dumb. Space yeah. kind of cleans that up a little bit, but also like it doesn't it weirdly doesn't make it better. Like I played I played the space version. I'm like, oh, cool. Now they make it a little more challenging and they added more things. Like, that's definitely what I wanted. And then as, as when I finished the game, I'm like, yeah, I probably want to play clank again so when you play clank you're like oh the other players are diving deeper that is dumb let me get out of here and no- make noise on the way out and just like like you said I've, I've won this more times than I've lost and I'm like okay all, all right yeah I- okay <laughs> it was like I never feel yeah. like I like the game but I never feel like I won because I did something smart I did I feel like I won because I either got lucky or other people were being dumb um, I don't know. I haven't played the legacy version, which hopefully might do more for that. I've heard good things about that. That is actually something I'm interested in,
0: and I've just yet to bite on it because I was so disappointed in the base versions. But like, it seems like the legacy element would add the stuff that I feel like it's missing. Yeah, so, I agree. Someday I'll try it.
1: Next up for me is a game that I actually kind of somewhat like, but I wish I loved. And in fact, a recent game day about a month ago kind of reminded me that there's something that just generally repulses me about the game. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's code names, code names. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the most popular games of all time. One of the biggest seller of all times, endless versions of code names. I own code names. I own code names, pictures. I probably own another one or two versions of code names. So it's not like I'm against the code names, but like people are like, Oh, let's play code names. I'm like, no. <laughs> I just like do we have to? <laughs> like can I be over there and I literally like set up and taught and like learned a game while people were playing another game. I didn't have to do that. Codenames is fine. It's fine. I wish I loved it. I feel like generating the the clues is more fun than sitting there waiting for the person to generate the clues and or picking the clues because then it's just like you're either wrong and dumb or you're lucky and good. I don't know. I just... The base game of Codenames and then maybe some other variations. Duet, I really like a lot. I think that's the better version of it. But this game is so prolific, I wish I was on board for it. But there's just something just so... Just lackluster about it that I just... It just... I can't. I don't want to (laughs) play the game. Yeah, I hear
0: that. I played this a bunch when it came out, and... I feel like I burned myself out on it. So I I, I can understand where you're coming from. (laughs) Uh, Next one up for me is Rising Sun. This game. So after Blood Rage came out, I was like, this is brilliant. I love it. It's top 100. Will be forever. Great game. And then Eric Lang's like, I'm going to do another one. But it's now it's Japan. And it's like diplomacy where you're working together. And i was like, that sounds amazing. So I backed that, gave them all the monies. And the game showed up and having played it a few times, it, it just doesn't have the same feel as like blood rage in terms of like what I am accomplishing in that game. And part of the reason for that is that the game is designed around building partnerships and working with other players, which is fine. But a, you need the right group of people, which is variable. Um, B, you need the right player count, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple player accounts in this game that just don't work very well. Cause someone gets left out. Um, and see, like, the game itself doesn't feel particularly well-balanced. And that's not to say Blood Rage is well-balanced, but Blood Rage, at least, the imbalance is pretty clear. Um, this one, you know, you've got some of these factions that can do things that it's difficult to respond to unless people are working together in, in the same cadence. And because you're changing your alliances throughout each round, it's difficult to know if everybody's kind of on board with you of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, it just... It takes too long and the confrontation elements feel a little forced as a result, whereas Blood Rage is quick and efficient, right? And Ankh kind of gets back to that where it's quick and efficient and yet yeah, forces those confrontations, but they work because of how tightly m- managed the game is. This one just feels kind of loose around a lot of edges. I love the themes. So I've held on to this one for a long time. I just don't actually enjoy what I'm playing it and I really want to because it feels like of the three themes, this is the one I should enjoy the most. Based on my own personal things that I like in the world. And it's just it's not. It's my least favorite of the trilogy. Um, and that disappoints me. So
1: I wish I liked it more. I, I like this game a lot. I own it. I've played it a bunch. I love the additional monsters and how some of the modules kind of open the game up. But inevitably, it is a group project. And if you ever worked in a group project at work or at school it certainly runs into that situation. And I've played games where people continue to want to partner together. And by doing so, they literally gave victory to some other player at the table. And yep. I, I I think fundamentally that becomes the major problem of this game. It is King building the game and
0: it's, it wears that like a badge of honor. It's like, that's what the game is. And you're like, I don't
1: like that in games and you you could play a card, you could play you could betray your partner, yeah, and that's interesting as as far as the dynamic and thematically kind of true, but again if you're if you're you and your partner are doing it th- like you have to manage everyone at the table because you're all scoring points on some level regardless like it's it becomes a thing, and you have to switch up and you have to it's just It requires. I hate to say this because I hate when people say this. It requires a certain group. Yeah, and I don't think that. Ness. I don't like that about board games. I think if 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 someone's reviewing a board game and they said, "If you have the right group," I think that's a problem with the board game, not a, a problem with the group, because they're playing the game. Like they are the right group. They are your group. Like. You shouldn't need to like draft <laughs> like intellectual strategists around the world to be able to enjoy a game. Like that's the right. not of thing. Um, I right. still love it. Still enjoy it. Want to get it back to the table, but yeah, no, I get it. Uh, for me again, a game that is somewhat similar to that as far as the team at the table is the classic and the classic has hurt me from not wanting to play the legacies. Of course it's pandemic. Mm. Uh, the original wonderful classic game of all time, which I played and I generally kind of like, but it is a, you know, it someone takes the lead and they run with it. And that kind of crushes the game. And also what crushes the game is just sometimes you don't win because cards and also because like it's a formula and you have to figure it out. So like it, in your head if you're like, I think the way that this formula plays out best is if we do this, that, and the other, and like someone else is like, no, but I think it's this way, that's the gameplay. The gameplay is not the game. The gameplay is, can I convince someone else or other people at the table that my calculations here are better than someone else's calculations? Because what's the win-loss condition? I've now pissed other people off at the table? Or we win the game? Like, I don't like the alpha player issue, so that doesn't work for me. And I don't like to play games that have a formula that like is a win or loss thing where you just can't like, I just, and it's terrible because I love this mechanic in defenders of the realm and other games. And I'm, I've heard the most amazing things about pandemic legacies. So I want to play those, but if you're telling me you have to play pandemic multiple times, I'm just, I can't. I, I, just, I don't know.
0: <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think I, I, I don't want to play base pandemic because it's more of a game system than a game at this point. Yeah. But the things that have been done with that system, there's some really, really interesting engaging formulas that really work well. So it's kind of a tough thing where like everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree on all that. But if you play this version, that's (laughs) not a thing. And if you play this version, that's not a thing. And um, there's so many versions of this game. Like, I'm not saying that if you don't like pandemic, you'll find a version you do like, but you might, yeah, so, it's done. I know. Um, all right. Uh, next one up for me is Final Girl, which is the reimplementation of Hostage Negotiator. Hostage Negotiator is a game that I really enjoyed. is um, a solo only dice management uh, mitigation game, in which you're trying to save hostage uh, hostages as a nega- as a negotiator, naturally. And so, Final Girl reimplements that where you are playing the final girl in a horror movie. So each version of this game is a different type of horror movie. There are now like, I think, 25 or 30 of these, um, full three full seasons and multiple versions in each season. Um, and I really thought I would like I'm not a huge, huge horror movie fan, but I really do like the system that um, AJ Porfirio and Evan Derrick created. And I really wanted to like this because everything I've heard, everything I've read, everything people have told me is just like, this is it. This is the distillation of that experience. And it's so thematic and each version is so unique and different. And I just couldn't get into it. And I think, honestly, I think it's pure theme and that's on me. Like, but at the same time, it is a brutal system, right? Hostage negotiator was the same way. Like, if you do not learn how to mitigate those dice rolls, if you don't think about it and manage which cards you recruit and how you recruit them and when you do so, you're just at the mercy of the dice and you're probably going to lose. So it does feel brutal in that way. Combined with like just the way the theme is overwhelming anyways, you're just going to lose a bunch. Which you want a good solo game to be challenging, but this doesn't feel like I'm building anything. So this is just one of those things like, I like solo games. I liked Hostage Negotiator. I feel like I should like this and I just don't for a combination of reasons. Um I've given up on it. I got, you know, I passed on the copy to someone who does like it. But uh it's it's something I wish I did.
1: Yeah, this was a game that I remember seeing out there on crowdfunding and I was like I want to buy this and I want to buy all of this. Yeah. Like <laughs> just not like some of it, I want all of it. I love the theme. I'm not a big horror movie fan, but I appreciate the trope and strong female leads. Awesome. And the idea of like these different monster movies, different characters. Great. And I'm always I'm a hard sell for solo games. So if there was something that would be great, it could be this. And yeah, no, it's just I get that. I certainly get that. I haven't played it, so I can't speak to it, but I get that for sure. Alright, well, for me here, this is kind of a little bit of a combination. This is Hive and Yinish. These Mm. are the abstract games that are so abstract that they are like, I don't know, like (laughs) like Yinish has a whole multiple collection of games with just different names that I can't even remember because it's all abstract of the same thing of just moving geometric shapes on a board. Hive is a little more thematic, and I really wish I loved Hive a lot more because It's such a fun, beautiful game with these different insects that have different powers and the idea of capturing the other player, but also being defensive at the same time is such an interesting concept, like being offensive and defensive. Should I be offensive, offensive? Oh, I was too offensive and they got me, you know, (laughs) be too defensive. And now I block myself in and I can't move anywhere. So and again, it has a lot of expansions. It has a travel, a travel um, version of it. That's very easy to take with you. So this could be the game that I take everywhere with me. It's a great two-player game. Nice hard chunky pieces, and again, it's one of the classic games out there. Uh, it just might be the abstract appeal that just never does it for me. If it's just, it's just too abstract for me. I, I, I guess that's what it comes to. So Hive, I really want to like a lot more Yinish and, and its brother uh, brethren. I it just I don't know. They're all they all seem the same, and they're not the same. And I don't mean that you know, I don't be, want to be derogatory to any way to the designer here of the many games of, of these abstract natures it just does not do it for me.
0: Yeah. I haven't played either of these, but I totally get it. Like there are some abstract games that just don't work. Yeah. Um, all right. My last one is Dune. Uh, and so I, I did not play the original 1979 Dune. But this is a 2019 version, but that's a re-implementation of the original. So close enough. Right. Um, this is a game that I had always wanted to play, and I didn't know anybody who owned it, and then Gale Force Nine finally reprinted it, which nobody thought they ever would. And I love I love the IP. Read the book several times. Love the movies. Dude Imperium's amazing. Like it's a it's a theme and an IP that I really enjoy. So I was like, I'm really excited to play this game. It turns out, after 40 plus years, game hasn't aged super well. Um <laughs> <laughs> like you go on board game geek. It has a lot of high ratings and a lot of people are like, this is amazing and it's great. and It's a brilliant game. And honestly, I just don't think it holds up in a lot of ways, right? Our very first play of the game, somebody won in like 20 minutes because <laughs> there's an option to do that based yeah. on certain stars aligning. It takes, you need six people to play this game legit. And it is a three plus hour commitment. So we were like settled in for the long haul post teach and then we were done in 20 minutes and it was like, okay, do we want to reset and try again? And people were like, no, <laughs> like, cause it was just so deflating for that to happen. And like, that doesn't happen in modern games. They're designed for that not to happen. And so it's old, right? It's, it's dated. Um, there's definitely some imbalances here. There's, it's so asymmetrical. Like it, it's just certain things do don't work the way you want it to. You need the right amount of players. You need the right amount of time you need certain things not to happen within the game. And you need everybody to kind of manage each other and to pay attention what everybody else is doing the game does not do any of that for you. So effectively, it's just unforgiving. And I understand I'm sure a lot of people are listening and be like, yeah, that's the fun, right? <laughs> it's an unforgiving game. It doesn't care how you play, you just need to do the things you need to do, which I get. But if I'm going to play a six player game that takes that many hours to play, I want one that kind of Provides at least a baseline of guard, guardrails. So an Eclipse or a Twilight Imperium or something that just has some systems in place that keep it from like spiraling out of control. Dune doesn't do any of that, um, the original. So it, it was deeply disappointing. I really want to like it. And having gone back and played it again and actually getting through a full game, I was like, that's fine. Like it wasn't terrible, but I, there's just other things I'd rather play with that time at that length.
1: No, I agree completely on that, and it's it's a shame, and and because this, it was always a Grail game, I always loved Dune, and it, you couldn't find the game, you couldn't buy the game. The game was re- reproduced without any changes, any updates, and things like that. Which, again, for what little we had heard about Dune, we did hear about like the long gameplays and the oddities to it. But again, that's Dune. That's not doesn't seem to be too far out from the mainstream. So. Yeah, no, I get it. I just I don't know why they didn't put a little effort into just kind of making things work a little bit better in the modern day now that we know more about, you know, game design. Uh finally for me <laughs> this came up recently somebody was talking about this game and I was just like, uh don't say anything negative. Don't yeah. say anything negative. <laughs> yeah. Just don't don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Uh Hanabi! Yep, <laughs> there it is. I knew this would be on your list. I knew it was coming. Look, I played Hanabi multiple times. I think I have a copy of Hanabi somewhere buried because it's a, it's a small box game. Played it at multiple game nights. Played it with different types of people. People still play it. Uh, I think we have a friend of ours who loves the game. Plays it like excessively. People, you can play on Board Game Arena, and it's just the smallest box of. I don't know. Can I say, can I, can I say BS? Can I, can I say yeah. that the <laughs> yeah, smallest you. box of BS I've ever seen from gamers? Cause gamers will come up to you and they're like, I am a Hanabi master. Like blah, 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 blah. And then you sit down and play with them and they telegraph their moves and what they have in their hand so hard. And so often and this happens with so many people that I'm like, dear God, why are we playing this? Like, this is like a game of delusion. Like I, I, Look, we all need a win in life. I get that. I need several. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just need some wins, okay? But, like, I just don't get it. Like, the concept of flipping the cards so that you don't see them and everyone else does genius. Why didn't anyone think of this sooner? Like, genius. And I love fireworks, so why not? And then, and then everyone I talked to about this game and everyone who plays this game it's the same like heroic stories and then every time i play with them it's like i don't know like i i assume they're doing it on purpose maybe there's some unconscious kind of giveaways here but like it's not we're not playing poker friends this is this is silly yeah it's just silly everyone cheats everyone cheats unintentionally purposely i don't know unconsciously i i don't know i just I don't know. Every time we have a conversation with some people out there, I'm just like, Oh God. And I want to like the game because again, brilliant mechanics, brilliant idea, just all kinds of great. And yet I just can't, I just can't have a conversation. about hobby. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I, I don't think I've played this game in like almost 10 years. Um, My first few plays were exactly that. And I'm like, someone's like, we did amazing. I'm like you and you and you cheated. I might've <laughs> cheated. I probably cheated. I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things like you finish it and you're like, I don't feel great about what we did there. <laughs> um, so I get why people love it. I don't love it. I own it because it's good in my classroom. Yeah. And I, I don't use it like as a straight game either. Like, I'm like, you're going to play this game. Here's how it works. And then they play it. And then afterwards, I'm like, do you think you cheated? <laughs> and that's the fun part. That's the conversation that they end up having and they discuss. And that's where the, we get cool things.
1: But I, I don't know. I don't want to play it myself. Look, brilliant mechanics. I want to love it. I want to be on board. I want to. I want wins, man. <laughs> I, I just want to be able. To, I just want to be able to drop some Hanabi. Like the last time someone had a conversation, I'm like, do you know that they have a large box version with these really nice tiles? I'm like, that's the only thing I could say about it. <laughs> so, yeah, Hanabi. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. All right, everybody. That's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all. Uh, See you at the table. Take care, everyone.